Welcome to episode two of the Autistic Self Advocast. I'm Catherine Anir, and I am really happy to welcome Jared McLaughlin, who I've known for quite some time now. Jared is a powerhouse self-advocate in the areas of autistic self-advocacy and queer rights advocacy and basically anything to do with human rights. Jared is there speaking up. He's also um, a broadcaster himself and spends time making his own podcast, editing other people's work, and he has... um, quite a few qualifications in that area as well so um Jared just if you want to tell me about your a little bit about that media background like what your qualifications are yes I can go through uh I can run down through a quick list of my qualifications I graduated from the University of Adelaide in 2018 with a degree in the uh, a Bachelor of Media degree majoring in journalism. And from that, I've been able to do a lot of work within the field of radio journalism in community radio, um, specifically with The Wire, which is an independent national current affairs radio show, which has been going on, which, yeah, which has been broadcasting for the last... 16 years and I've been there for about three well um two and a half of those years I've um done stories about politics the environment disability issues queer issues and many 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 other topics I recently covered a story about uh, a survey that, um, that that was conducted by people with Disability Australia about how disabled Australians have been managing and coping with the COVID-19 pandemic and how there have been instances of, of them feeling alone, isolated and sidelined by the federal government with, uh, in regards to how they have implemented strict Strict, uh, sorry, of how they implemented strict lockdown measures during the pandemic, which has been going on for over yeah. three months. And yes, I do do. I do have my own podcast. It's called What the Quarantine. I began that back in April. So, Jared, being a self advocate is what this podcast focuses on. Um, so. What makes you a passionate self-advocate? What makes me a passionate self-advocate? It's all to do with the um, tenacity and perseverance in how you want to make yourself known and how you want to be that voice for those who don't have a voice themselves, who are too terrified or scared to speak up or to or to attract attention to what it is that they want to talk about. And I can relate to that so, so much because I didn't know that I did have my own voice or that people would want to hear me 
give any opinion or thoughts or even ideas or perspectives about how a person can be able to live in the community where they feel that they can't contribute to it. And it took me quite a few years to to cultivate my own voice and my own persona as a self-advocate. And I do have to thank a lot of the of the veterans within the community who started all that work for us for the younger um, <clears throat> for the younger generations before uh, before then who had to do the high yards who had to to create a whole a whole structure and framework of a community where they could set up uh, their own uh, groups and and leadership heritry and and <clears throat> the heritry yeah leadership heritry and 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 a the presence where society could take note and they could look and be able to to ascertain that people who are autistic we exist we've always been there we have always cohabitated we've always been there side by side but unfortunately because the majority mindset is you have to be neurotypical you cannot be different you cannot um go and detach yourself from the status quo and what i have liked about being my own person and not and not and being able to stand out from the crowd is to be that uh, distinctive prominent voice who can be there and who can fight and advocate and to stand alongside those who do feel that they need a leader to uh, um, to to make it known that we would not stand for any form of, of prejudice or bigotry or discrimination frauded towards them. Mm. So when you began your journey, part of not being able to speak up, I think you once told me, was because you went to a special school. Do you want to elaborate on that? Uh-huh. Ah, uh, yes, yes. Well, I was diagnosed with autism when I was five years old and I just was immediately enrolled into uh, that specialised system within the within the education sector. I did have to go to special schools, well, several in fact. <laughs> but the ones that stick in my mind are the ones I attended at in Sydney and in Adelaide, I, I don't want to mention names just in case I might say something that could be construed as defamatory. <laughs> yeah, but I guess it had an effect on your voice, didn't it? Oh, yes, it did. It did. <laughs> as you can remember, as I told you. Tell me about that. Tell me about what the effect was. Oh, it kind of... It really hit me in many ways. I was a lot of a lot of the teachers didn't really know how to 
handle my my level of um of 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 that didn't know how to handle my 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 level of academic learning and performance, and the way that they that they went about it is they always thought that I couldn't achieve at at the at the at the at the at the within the levels that they thought that I couldn't get to. Mm-hmm. They kind of ascertained that I would wouldn't go much further than I thought I that I would have gone when when I became an adult and I wanted to make myself I wanted to find myself a place in the world where I wanted to exert my talents and my skills. But because I did go to a special school, there was a, a preconception that any student who was disabled was only going to be going to do was only going to be doing like limited employment. Mm-hmm. And the only places that they could find work would have to be going to a, an Australian disability enterprise or a sheltered workshop, um, air quotes. Yeah. <laughs> and that was not your idea of how things... No, might. no, I do not want to do that. And unfortunately, I did get a taste of that type of of, of like... I did get a taste of having to work in a sheltered workshop. I was in the the um, um, in the packaging section, so I was part of the the assembly line where you have a human uh, cat. Uh, uh, the set the, the structure was like uh, like a, a human uh, uh, caterpillar. Like you had a different person in each part of the table setup where they had to assemble different um, plumbing. Products you had to put into a plastic bag, and then you had to put it in, into a cardboard box. And once it's filled up, you had to seal it up and go on onto the next empty cardboard box. Yes, yes, I know it's very unstimulating. <laughs> so you could have been there doing cardboard boxes. Oh no, we had to put like piping. We had to put piping yeah, into okay. the the plastic. These were like the plastic yeah. tubing. That, that that you have to put together when, when you're installing a sink or even a, a bathtub or even the toilet. Right. So now that um, you sort of, well, you graduated from school. Oh, yes, I graduated in in December 2004. Yeah, 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 December 2004. So yeah. you found your own voice um, and mm-hmm. moved on through many different projects, eventually to university when perhaps the goals of the school might have been that you were to be still assembling pipes. So the- yeah. Or um just pretty much doing gardening or um woodwork. Yep. Yep. <laughs> or even um working in the in the cafeteria. Yep. Uh, so your self advocacy career um has taken off. You've done so much, Jared. I'm, when when I when I publish the podcast, I'm going to put a link to some of the things that you've done, uh, appearing on behalf, appearing on behalf of the autistic community, the queer community, and just generally being a voice of a, a disabled queer man um, living with, 
you know, vision and hearing impairment as well as being autistic means that you've got some unique perspectives. When it comes to, I guess, tips that you might give other self-advocates, how would you encourage people to find their voice, especially if they're coming from settings where you've come from where they feel a bit demoralised? Yeah, well, I can tell you a bit more. When I was at school, a, a lot of teachers, even students, didn't know how to interact with me. So I did become a a, a victim of of, um, of bullying, and I really didn't like the way some people have these inaccurate perceptions and ideals, or uh, or even type of like um sense of who this I was as a person. And I didn't really like how a lot of them just thought that I was a nuisance, that I was a troublemaker, that I was um, susceptible to to losing my temper, which is not the type of person who I was. And thinking about it now, I, I, I haven't been to a special school in 16 years. And I now know that a lot of those incidents did kind of go back to to the um, um, went, went back to those who perpetrated or um, or regurgitated those those um, attitudes and those those um, inconsistent um, um, thought processes of how they assessed my behavior and maybe there were times where I, I did lose my sense of self and I felt so useless and worthless as a, as as um, as an individual i did feel that i was now to get through the day there was one time when i did start school when i was when i was i did have to go to class i had to i had to handle being in the same room as my boy one the the the, the first student who was a boy i had to have him in the same class for over a year and that was before he got moved on to another class the year after that. And when he left and then I was susceptible to other taunts and smears from other teachers and students, which which wasn't malicious for, for a lot of them, I wouldn't say that they didn't go deliberately wanting to go and to antagonize me or to, to or to um, demoralize um, to, or to de um, de, uh, or wanting to demoralize my character, but I just felt that I was an easy target for them to unleash their passive aggressions and their microaggressions. So how do you come back from that, Jared? How do you come back from that? experience you had to have a lot of strength and you had to have a good a good group of friends who will always um, be able to who are always there to pick you up and to dust you off and to encourage you to keep persevering to keep moving to 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 think about what it is that you want to do and even i had to do a lot of soul search i had to do i did a lot of soul searching after i left school uh, when I did, because there was a time when I was doing volunteering work and doing computer computering courses at um 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 at Hamilton um secondary college where I didn't know that I fit anywhere. I didn't know what my purpose was as an adult. I didn't know what my what my talents 
beckoned for me to wanting to think about a career or a being a, being a part of a profession. But when I did start to assemble my own self-worth and to start speaking out about the, the, the issues of discrimination and prejudice and bigotry that was targeted, that was directed towards those who are disabled and autistic, where I knew the concepts of ableism, where they started to filter into my head, I was able to become that, uh, become the, that, uh, uh, become that, um, I want to be able to to start training myself to be that that uh, press that um, uh, distinctive presence in, within the within the advocacy space, and I could start to talk about issues that were never talked about within any part of society within any institutions. And I do have to thank my involvement with with many local, state and federal um, government departments and agencies who allow me those, those do, who, who afforded me those outlets for me to, to start training myself, to start um, um, maturing and growing into the self-advocate that I present myself as today. And that is to thank many, 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 many people who got me to be who it is that I am today. So you're talking about roles on committees and and uh, advisory groups and things like that. Yes. I know you started off yeah. very much on youth advisory groups and then have moved yep. through sitting on advisory groups and boards, just um, yep. finding your voice over the years. And then finally, you know, with this media career, amplifying your voice as well. Yeah. That's pretty much how it actually transcended. Mm -hmm. I went from being involved with the Youth Advisory Committee with the City of Marion up until 2010. And around that time, I also got to be involved with the Minister's Youth Council. I was a member of, of, um, um, of that council for two years. And then uh, since then, I got to be involved with many other councils and committees through many non-profit and governmental organisations and departments and firms. It's about my reputation and about my... Uh, my, my presence, yeah, and, and so I'm all about building my reputation, my presence, and that has really helped to make myself known in within many political circles and within the disability and the LGBTIQ community as well. I have been, I managed to put myself out there and say that I want to help. I want to be that guiding influence that wants to be able to to be to make it who wants to uh to elevate voices and perspectives throughout those who do have a disability because many many years ago we didn't have those opportunities and we had to be over reliant on 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 allies who had to be our um, our representatives they had to do all the work for us but now we we are at a point where there are more self-advocates than allies within the LGBTIQ plus dis- disability um, 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 uh, advocacy space. 
and I think from from um from then on, and, and even now, we can be able to train and to mentor more voices and more advocates to wanting to be there for those who don't ever feel that they can be able to uh, to make themselves feel as wanting to contribute to the conversation or to the debate. Because I can tell you now, you do have worth. You, you are worthy. You do have something to give. And it's not right to let yourself uh, be swallowed by, by self-doubt or even having to handle the, um, the trepidation by people's uh, bigoted and outdated attitudes and perceptions of how they think any other person who isn't like them can function and live in society like they can. Well, that's a very powerful message, Jared, and I think we might leave it there because you've given us such an insight into your um, career and your personal experiences. So I'd like to thank you very much for joining me um, and uh, I'm sure we'll have you back at another oh, time. Oh, yeah, I'm sure you will because <laughs> I've I got, I got, a, a, I got a, a, a lot more that I'm that I want to divulge, and I know that you can't Excellent. fit it all in one episode. No, that is true. So thank you very much, Jared. Um, no, thank you, and I, and I do apologise for my stuttering. <laughs> oh no, that's okay. We we um, everybody has a unique way of speaking, and yeah, we embrace that. So. Um, thank you for your time and no, uh, thank you, Catherine, for inviting me. We'll we'll have you on again soon. All the best, Jared. Yep, you too.